From the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, this is the Danny Picard Show, Monday, July 31st, 2017. Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics, your number one source for screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote for your customized apparel. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. At DraftKings, every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season. And they have a brand new baseball feature on DraftKings. You're going to love it. You're going to love the scoring system. Everything about it. It's easy. Five hitters and one pitcher. That's right. Just five hitters and one pitcher. It's called Arcade Mode. And you can put together a different lineup every single day for a chance to turn your love of baseball into cash prizes every single night. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Welcome to the show on this Monday afternoon trade deadline Monday in Major League Baseball. The Major League Baseball non-waiver trade deadline is today as I record this at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Now, full disclosure, I'm recording this show a little bit later in the day than I usually do. I know I told you last week that I was going to wait until Tuesday uh, to at least release a new podcast. That's not what I'm doing because the Red Sox actually, they made a move today. They made a move in acquiring reliever Addison Reed from the New York Mets for three prospects. I'll get into the details of that deal in just a moment, uh, but I want to let you know why I'm actually giving you a podcast on Monday instead of what I said on Tuesday. So we're back to the regular schedule, Mondays and Thursdays, but um, a little bit later in the day than the regular schedule. You know, I come in here Monday, usually pump something out on Monday morning and release it by early Monday afternoon. That's not the case today. So by the time you listen to this podcast, the Major League Baseball non-waiver trade deadline will have come and gone. And... I got to say, there are a couple names that might get moved by the time I record this and by the time you listen to this. A couple names to keep an eye out for that I'm going to keep an eye out for in the next couple hours that could change the course of what the American League looks like. Because for the most part, I'm hearing only American League teams involved in this. Sonny Gray, Oakland A's starting pitcher. I think he's going to end up with the Yankees. We'll see what's it going to take to get him. I do think the Yankees are going to end up with Sonny Gray, uh, and and that's that's going to help him big time. I think Sonny Gray is a big time pitcher in this league, uh, so that would be a huge move for the Yankees. That that's my prediction. Sonny Gray goes to the Yankees. Uh, the Houston Astros they are also in on Sonny Gray, but they just acquired, according to reports, as I jump on and do this podcast, the Houston Astros have reportedly acquired Francisco Liriano. So um, it looks like they might even have him coming out of the bullpen. So the Astros, will they be done? Maybe. I think they got some some players that they could move in their organization to create a blockbuster deal. We'll see if they do it. I just don't think that's going to happen. So Liriano to the Astros. Look out for Sonny Gray. Also look out for you, Davish. Who knows where he could end up? Cleveland is a team to watch out for because 
By the time you listen to this, the Indians might have made a couple moves, not just for you, Davish, but maybe even for Zach Britton, Baltimore Orioles reliever and closer Zach Britton. Uh, that might be a guy that's moved. It's going to take a lot to get either one of those two pitches. And if Cleveland is able to add one of those two guys, or really any big-name pitcher, the Indians, who already, in my opinion, uh, are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the postseason, that would be a huge move for Cleveland. So keep an eye out for the Indians when it comes to uh, Zach Britton, or who knows, maybe a U Davish, maybe a Sonny Gray. Keep an eye out for the Yankees. Uh, we'll see what Houston's going to do moving forward. I guess maybe the Dodgers because they have the Kershaw injury. Bottom line is this, though. I felt the need to record a podcast before the 4 o'clock trade deadline passes because the Red Sox already made their move. I do not expect, and people who cover the Red Sox and have better inside information than me, they do not expect the Red Sox to make any other moves. So that's the one that I really want to react to. I want to react to what this Red Sox team is right now. And um, looking at the regular season, two months left to play. The Cleveland Indians are in town, beginning a series at Fenway tonight on this Monday, July 31st. We have so much drama in this clubhouse. The Red Sox players are going to try to tell us that this drama with the David Price, Dennis Eckersley situation, it happened a month ago. They're over it. But if you're going to take the perspective of, all right, let's look at this thing from the front office point of view, ownership, management, you know, even to the manager himself, I mean, this is a there's an issue in the Red Sox clubhouse. There's no question about that. I honestly believe there's an issue. And whether the players believe it or not, the front office needs to believe it. Ownership needs to believe it because things were said by David Price over the weekend that makes the Red Sox organization, the front office, ownership, makes him look like a bunch of fools. He is. David Price making a Red Sox organization look like a bunch of fools. I'll get into that. But the deal right now, heading into the 4 o'clock trade deadline, is that the Red Sox acquire New York Mets reliever, and I guess you could call him part-time closer, Addison Reed. Uh, Reed is a kid who throws right-handed. He's going to throw in the mid-90s. He's going to give you a 93, 94-mile-per-hour fastball. He's got kind of a wacky fastball. He does. He has a wacky fastball. And I say wacky. You, honestly, go YouTube him. Go Because if you haven't watched much New York Mets baseball, or if you haven't seen much of Addison Reed, then, you know, I, I think you should YouTube it, or at least Google him, and, and you'll get some video highlights He's got a wacky fastball where, you know, he throws it and it almost looks like it doesn't really pick up steam until it gets halfway to home plate. It just has a weird, almost like it's on a string and then it it just starts to really pick up steam halfway to home plate. It's a, I'm telling you, it's kind of a wacky fastball in a good way, in a good way. I think there's some deception with it where he throws it, and it doesn't really zip out of his hand, but halfway to home plate, that's when it sort of picks up. And I don't know if it rises a little bit or what it is about Addison Reed's fastball. It, it does look a little wacky to me in a good way. But Addison Reed, this season, again, he's 28 years old. It's the last year of his contract, so basically this is a rental. Reed has 19 saves this season. Uh, as the Mets close it in place of the injured Jerry's Familia. And Familia is 
as you know, when he's healthy, I think one of the elite closes in the game, at least the stuff that he has. Uh, Addison Reed has stepped in, gives you 19 saves, has a 2.57 ERA. Last year with the Mets in 80 games, in 80 appearances, he had a 1.97 ERA. This is a guy who's not going to walk a lot of players. Um, he's Again, he's got a nice little fastball going for him. He's going to be the eighth inning guy in the Red Sox bullpen, and that's absolutely what they need. They cannot rely on Matt Bonds. That is a fact. You know, I, Joe Kelly's been very good, but he's been banged up. So how much can you even rely on him? Um, you know you can rely on Craig Kimbrell, but you got to get to him. You got to get to him before you blow the game. So Addison Reed, this is a nice pickup for the Red Sox. You look at what they're going to give up in this deal. Three prospect pitches, all right-handed prospect pitches. Jamie Callahan, Gerson Bautista, and Steven Nagosik. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing these names right. But here's what they rank in the Red Sox farm system. 18th overall, 23rd overall, and 28th overall. That's what they ranked in the Red Sox farm system. So the Red Sox give up their 18th ranked, 23rd ranked, and 28th ranked prospects to get a relief pitcher. And the type of relief pitcher that is exactly what the Red Sox need to try and make a postseason push. So um, I think this is a nice deal for Dave Dombrowski. I think this is a nice deal for the Red Sox. If you're sitting there today and you see this deal and you decide to jump on Twitter and try to tell me and try to tell everybody else who follows you that the Red Sox gave up too much to get Addison Reed, here's my advice for you. Put the fucking phone down, grab some sunscreen, grab a beach chair or a towel, and head to the beach. Go get some sun. Go get some fresh air. If you're going on social media today and you're going to try to tell us that you believe and you're going to complain about this trade because you believe the Red Sox gave up too much because they gave up three top 30 prospects to get a relief pitcher. If you're going to try to complain and tell me that today on social media that the Red Sox gave up too much to get Addison Reed, a piece that they needed, then my advice to you is simple. Go get some fucking sun at the beach. All right? You, I know some people say, oh, maybe you got too much sun. No, you need more sun. You need more fresh air. Jump into the real world for a few minutes. Get off of Twitter. Get off of social media. Stop looking at the Red Sox prospect list and thinking that the numbers next to a guy's name is gospel. I mean, you know why these guys are 18th, 23rd, and 28th ranked prospects? Because the people got traded. Think about what they were before. I mean, come on. Let's stop. Don't even complain about this deal. This is a player the Red Sox needed. They gave up guys that you don't know who the fuck they are to get them. It's as simple as that. Please. This is a, this is a very good move for the Red Sox. Will it work out for them? We'll find out. We'll see. But, I mean, it's what they needed, right? You could talk about maybe adding some more offense. Sure, I'm all about it. But is, was there a way to do, is there a way to do that? Honestly, is there a way to do that without giving up a top prospect? I mean, I already gave it a deal I would make. I'd call Pittsburgh, and I'd say, hey, let's try to work a blockbuster to see if we can get Andrew McCutcheon to Boston. That, that's what I'd be doing. And if you can add Garrett Cole to the, to the package, go ahead. You know, but um, 
I, when you look at what the Red Sox actually needed and it, and when it comes to, all right, if you don't want to give up top prospects, you want to give up mid-level prospects, you want to call them top 30 prospects, to get something you need, the obvious move was getting a relief pitcher. They get a very good one in Addison Reed, who, again, this is the last year of his deal. He's pitching. He's got a lot to play for. He's pitching for a contract. He's, what's he making? Seven and a half mil this season? He's proven that he can step into a closer's role nicely. Addison Reed, he wants to be a closer, but this is basically going to be his audition to get a contract and a big money contract as a closer this this coming winter. So, I think it's a great I think it's a great deal for the Red Sox. To be honest, I said very good. I think it's a great deal when you put it all together. What the Red Sox needed, what they gave up, players that and you know, look some of these players they gave up might end up being very good major league players, but they're not right now. And they're not factoring into what you're doing right now. So give them up to get the guy that you need in the eighth inning. Okay? To, to help a bullpen that obviously needs a little bit of help right now. You know, I'm not saying the Red Sox bullpen's terrible. But, I mean, the, the road to Craig Kimbrell is, at times, lately, looking a little bumpy. And as the president of baseball operations, you have one job. Do something about it. Okay, do something about it. And I think Dave Dombrowski did something about it today before the four o'clock trade deadline. And again, I'm talking to you about an hour and a half before the trade deadline because everybody is saying now the Red Sox are done. They're not making any other moves. And this is the team that they're going to have for the next two months and beyond. And if they can get to the postseason, uh, this is the team they're going to have. Now, there's always the possibility you could make a trade before the waiver deadline, which is what? Usually September 1st, August 30th, 31st, September 1st, right? Um, It's possible. It's a little bit more complicated given the waiver system and where you are in the standings because right now, on this Monday afternoon, July 31st, the Red Sox entered today a half game behind the Yankees for first place in the AL East. Yankees are in first place. Uh, The Rays are in third place. They have three and a half games behind the Yankees. The Orioles are in fourth place, six and a half games back. Again, I'm looking for them to maybe sell if they give up Zach Britton. And by the time you listen to this, perhaps they did that. And if he does go to Cleveland, then that, you know, (laughs) that's a big time move by the Indians. And uh, for a 57-win team that the Cleveland Indians are right now in a race in their division with Kansas City, I look at Cleveland and say they might be, even though Houston's got the record, they got, even though Houston has 68 wins and they're having a tremendous season, I still think that the Cleveland Indians are the cream of the crop in the American League and maybe in all of baseball. I, some people might think I'm crazy when you look at the Nationals having 62 wins, when you look at maybe the Cubs haven't gotten better with the Quintana trade. Um, the, the Cubs are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They're surging. You look at the Dodgers, who have 74 fucking wins. 74 wins. 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, they have some injuries right now, but, you know, it's looking like they should be okay by the time the postseason comes. You look at all these other teams, and you think, how could you say a 57-win team is the cream of the crop? I just think, I look at Cleveland's rotation. I look at the additions they made last offseason, and if they can make a major trade here... And even if they don't, I still look at the Indians and think they're ready to go. I I think they're ready to not just make the run to the World Series, but then also 
uh, close it out and seal the deal and, and, and close the deal and, and get it done and win in a world championship. That was my preseason prediction that the Indians win it all. I, honestly, nothing to me changes right now. I'm still taking Cleveland to win it all. The question is, who are they going to have to play in the playoffs? Who are they going to have to beat? Well, if the playoffs began today, if the playoffs began right now, the Red Sox would not win the division. They would actually host the wild card game against the Kansas City Royals. It would be at Fenway. It would be a one-game wild card playoff. And um, it depend- I mean, I would think you have Chris Sale going for you in this game. And if that is the case, I would think that's how you'd have to set it up. You know, unless you're battling just to, to try and win to get to the wild card game, which is obviously not ideal, because then you really can't set up your rotation maybe the way you'd like for this game. But also, that one-game wild card playoff is kind of like a all-hands-on-deck game. And if you've got Chris Sale available at any point, I'd be putting my money on the Red Sox to win that game. But if the playoffs began today, then... uh. The Red Sox would be hosting the one-game wild-card playoff. And you would get the Houston Astros to play the winner of that one-game wild-card playoff in the ALDS. And the Cleveland Indians would be playing the New York Yankees. I'd put my money on Cleveland. I would probably put my money on Houston. And you're looking at an ALCS of the Cleveland Indians and the Houston Astros where you'd get a lot of people putting your money on Houston. I wouldn't be. I'd be putting on Cleveland. So um, it'll be interesting to see what this race looks like moving forward. But back to a Red Sox perspective on things, the addition of Addison Reed is a big one. It's much needed. But, um, you know, I think the Red Sox still have issues. And it's issues that unless you were going to get rid of David Price, are still not fixed. Not fixed. Because let's go back to this weekend, and I know a lot of people – want to move on from this storyline. And I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'd like to move on from this storyline too. But it's awfully tough to do when you have David Price saying the things that he said over the weekend. Now, I had the luxury of and the honor of being able to, to react to the David Price media session in the Red Sox clubhouse. I had the, the honor of reacting to this on the radio, on my weekend radio show Saturday. I've We've done so much David Price stuff. I even did it Friday. I was down at Gillette Stadium, uh, me and Lou Merloni. Uh, we did, I, fi- I sort of filled in, and I did a guest spot with him for four hours on his show on WEI. Awesome, by the way. Loved it. Loved every second of it. Broadcasting from training camp, overlooking training camp. That's how I, that's sort of, when I first got in the business, 10 years, over 10 years ago, that's how I envisioned this, right? Uh, myself and a former pro athlete doing a show from Patriots training camp on the radio uh, in a primetime slot, 10 a.m. to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, taking calls, talking about Red Sox controversy. Like, that is exactly how I drew it up when I was getting into this fucking business. And I, I, maybe, I, maybe I should thank David Price. I don't know. Because he, he continues to let us talk about him and what he is doing to this Red Sox team behind the scenes in the clubhouse. 
the way he wants to lead this Red Sox team is not the it's not the right way. It's not the way that you go about things. It's not the way you should go about things. David Price is embarrassing the Red Sox organization right now. He's embarrassing them. And you know, the only thing you can really do about it, if you're Red Sox ownership, if you're the Red Sox front office, the only thing you can really do is either keep him, have a talk with him, see if you can straighten him out, see if you can get in his head a little bit and, and tell him this is not how you do things, or you try to eat most of his salary and trade him to a place that he wants to be. Because when we listen to all this stuff over the weekend, it is very clear to me that David Price does not want to be in Boston. It is clear to me that David Price got the biggest deal from the Red Sox, $217 million over, over seven seasons, $31 million a year, right? Which essentially is $1 million a fucking start. Think about that. The guy makes a million dollars a start. He took the highest bidder. He took the biggest deal. And he's essentially saying, all right, I don't like it here now, but I got my money. It's guaranteed. Someone's going to have to pay it. Fuck you. I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm going to do some things that are going to force me out of here. Honestly, that's what David Price is doing. David Price talked to the media on Saturday. And he addressed the Dennis Eckersley confrontation on the team plane, which again happened a month ago. And I want to move on from two. But the more, the, even if they're talking about it, then we ha- I have to react to it. Last time I talked to you, we were talking about the reports that came out that Dustin Pedroia was applauding aggressively, right? Then there were conflicting reports that said, eh, Dustin Pedroia wasn't involved at all. Not, not only was he not applauding, he wasn't involved at all. Which I told you last week, I believe it's somewhere in the middle. I don't know that maybe, maybe he wasn't applauding aggressively, but I'm pretty certain that Dustin Pedroia, if I had to put my money... If players were applauding, and I had to put my money on on what players were applauding, Dustin Pedroia would be the heavy favorite in my eyes. Like, there is no doubt in my my mind, in my opinion, there's no doubt that Pedroia was applauding. We've heard he doesn't like Eck. And things that you hear, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, Dustin Pedroia was applauding, okay? He was. He was applauding. Maybe he wasn't aggressively, but he was applauding. But even if he wasn't applauding, here's what I know he didn't do. He didn't step into the middle of it and break it up. He didn't stop David Price from doing it. He didn't try to prevent it. He didn't try to stop it. And when it was over, I don't give a fuck what he says. He didn't get with David Price and say, this is not how it works. He didn't. Because the fact that Pedroia wouldn't step in and do anything about it tells, should tell you all you need to know about how Pedroia felt. He doesn't like Eckersley either. He doesn't like the media either. All right? He probably liked what Price did. He did. He can talk about all he wanted. He's the leader, this, that, the other thing. He says it happened a month ago. All right. This story came out a month ago. You're the leader. You're pounding your chest. Why didn't you try to stop it from happening? You were on the plane? We know. It comes down to, is Pedroia lying about the, the applauding? I think he is. He's lying about it. He's covering his own ass. Something he was doing when he was yelling out to Manny Machado, throwing his teammates and his manager under the bus, saying, that wasn't me, that was them, that's bullshit. 
Pedroia was covering his own ass. He could say whatever he wants after the fact. This is a Dustin Pedroia, who also spoke since the last time I talked to you. He talked Friday. And I have some audio of that. What do you want to hear first? Bottom line is this. Pedroia talked Friday. David Price talked Saturday. And I didn't think it was a good look on Pedroia's part. I mean, look, I can understand he wants to defend himself. You know, and that's fine. Because right now his name's being dragged through the mud because of of the reports that he was applauding David Price on the plane. So he's going to come on and defend himself. In the process, he calls himself the leader of the team. In the process, he also looks like a dickhead because he's looking at uh, uh, Steve Burton, a media member, and he calls him chief. And, you know, he's, again, it it just, it it comes off in a way where you just want to say, shut the fuck up. You would never talk to anybody like this outside of that clubhouse. You wouldn't. He wouldn't. Here's the, here's the audio. Dustin Pedroia. Here's what he said first and foremost. Talking about David Price. Talking about his leadership. He says, hey, he's got two rules. And here they are. I'll let you listen. Here's Pedroia. In this clubhouse, we, we have two rules, basically. It's pretty pretty easy. I mean, you just on time and be professional. Um, you know, and, and after that incident, obviously, we talked about it. Um, know and, and and that's it I mean we've kind of moved on from that um you know and when I'm sure he's gonna have a conversation with with Eck whenever he sees him um he hasn't seen him um you know since since that then when Steve Burton asked Pedroia what did you say to Price here's what Dustin Pedroia said to Steve Burton I talked to David 101 yep what'd you tell him I just told you what I told him Got two rules, Chief. Yep. Can't remember them? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> All right, uh. He called them Chief? I mean, uh, how, how disrespectful? I mean, just how disrespectful was was that portion of it? I, I get Pedroia's pissed, all right? But would he ever talk like that to Steve Burton? I said this on WEI over the weekend. If Dustin Pedroia ever talked like that to Steve Burton outside of that clubhouse, outside of Fenway, Steve Burton who's a big dude, would take Dustin Pedroia and shove Pedroia in a fucking trash can. Okay? That's what he would do to him. But Pedroia, this is what Pedroia does, though. This is why Pedroia, to me, is so frustrating to listen to. Because you're this big, bad, tough guy, right? You have something to say about everything. Yet, when one of your top starting pitches leads a rebellion against a media member for, for the most childish reasons possible, and confronts him in the most cowardly manner possible, what did you do? Not only did you not break it up, but you applauded him. And yes, I do believe, believe the report that you applauded him, that Dustin Pedroia applauded him. I believe it. You know why? Because the sources that say Pedroia was applauding, do you know who the source probably is? Dennis Eckersley is probably telling people, this motherfucker applauded, and I looked right at him. So who are you going to believe? And Pedroia's just covering his own ass. And, and, and again, he's got something to say about everybody. The big lead, the leader, the tough guy. Right? But when it comes to David Price confronting Dennis Eckersley, you had nothing to say about it. It, it, it. And you didn't try to stop it. You applauded. It's just, it's embarrassing. But all right, Pedroia talks, defends himself as a leader, says we got two rules. Show up on time. That's one. And be a professional. Act professional. 
right? Which you think is respectful along. I mean, we can think of a bunch of other words that come out of that definition. So the next day, David Price, he talks about the situation, the incident, the confrontation with Dennis Eckersley. And you know what he does? He defends himself. He defends himself. Now, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still trying. You try to get over the Pedroia thing. Pedroia even kind of, Pedroia even kind of, when you think back to Pedroia after listening to Price, Pedroia sort of took a shot at Eckersley. Because part of Price's argument is that Dennis Eckersley is not in the clubhouse. Now, the media is in the clubhouse. I always thought that the players didn't want the media in the clubhouse, which is the most, maybe the most mind-boggling part of this whole thing. The players, they don't want the media sitting around the clubhouse. They don't. They don't want that. But now David Price is saying he does. David Price, part of David Price's beef after speaking on Saturday was that Dennis Eckersley, who's a color commentator for the Red Sox broadcast, sometimes, he, his beef is that Eckersley is not in the clubhouse like some other guys are. And um, that's one thing. So when you go back to Pedroia, Pedroia says, you know, we got two rules in here. You know, and then he, then he says, well, yeah, Price is going to, Price is going to talk to Dennis Eckersley when he sees him, if he sees him next. I think that's a shot. I think that's a shot. That tells me that Pedroia feels the same way as Price. That Pedroia probably feels like, oh, Eckersley doesn't show his face in the clubhouse. Hey, when Price sees him again. Pedroia's not an idiot. He knows that if David Price wanted to see Eckersley again and apologize, there was a way for him to find Dennis Eckersley in the last month. He even pointed out this thing happened a month ago, which means that he's had a whole month to talk to Dennis Eckersley. Last time I checked, they had a homestand in the middle of July, an eight-game homestand, where Price could have talked to Dennis Eckersley and apologized. Pedroia's not stupid. He knows that. And Pedroia, let's hear it again. So Price on Saturday argues. And his beef is that Eckersley doesn't show, show up in the clubhouse. And basically says, I haven't had a chance to apologize because he doesn't come to the clubhouse. Pedroia, let's play the Pedroia thing again. Here it is. He kind of takes a shot at Eck, I think, by, by basically saying, hey, Price, will, he'll apologize when he sees him. But he, you know what? He can't, doesn't see him when he's not in the clubhouse. That's what I think basically Pedroia is saying. Here it is again. You know, and when, I'm sure he's going to have a conversation with, with Eck whenever he sees him. Um, he hasn't seen him, um, you know, since since that. So I think I think he's saying that. I think it's a shot. After I listen to Price, I go back to that. I think it is. I think Pedroia and Price are on the same page. They don't like Eckersley, and 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 they think that they both believe that Price did the right thing. David Price in talking Saturday, his he, there's another thing here that I'm going to take out from you. And here's, a, here's the only audio I think you need to hear from David Price is right here where he says, if I could do it again, yeah, maybe I would have handled it differently. But what I did worked because now Dennis Eckersley isn't as critical as he was before the confrontation. Here's the audio. Here's the only audio that you need to hear from David Price on Saturday, basically patting himself in the fucking back about confronting Dennis Eckersley on the team plane. I could have handled it probably a different way, but ever since that's happened, he's he's been really good. You know, he said a lot of positive stuff about everybody in this clubhouse, and you know, this, is, this is one band, one sound. You know, we got to have everybody on board, and that's, you know, that's that. I mean, you 
have to be fucking kidding me, dude. You gotta be kidding me. I, I, I don't know what planet David Price thinks he's on, but the planet that I live on, in which you get paid $31 million a season, $1 million a fucking start, okay, on that planet, you're not paid to lead the war against the media. You're not paid to then, in the middle of that war, come down, storm into the clubhouse, get the media uh, their attention a month later, and say, not only am I leading the war against the media, I, I'm, I won it. I won the war. I am the leader, and I won the war against Dennis Eckersley, and here's what I did, here's what I said, and here's how it worked. That's not a leader. That's not what the Red Sox are paying him to do. Yet David Price is just that big of a fucking douchebag that this is what he believes? Like, you believe that, dude? Are you listening to what you're saying? I mean, this guy is a boob. And he's the, the worst part about it all is that with David Ortiz gone, you know, the team is looking for somebody to lead. And this is the way he thinks it, it, it works? It's insane. It, this is absolutely insane. And he's making the Red Sox look like a bunch of fools. He is. I mean, come on. You, so, now, I don't even know if Dennis Eckersley is criticizing the team less since the confrontation. But David Price believes it. And not only does he believe it, and not only is he patting himself on the back, saying that his confrontation with Eck worked, but he's also telling us in the process that he is obsessed with watching the games. He's obsessed with the criticism. He's obsessed with listening to the criticism. He's so sensitive, and this is why. Because he's obsessed with listening to it. You make $31 million a year, buddy. You can't fucking not listen to criticism. You, you, you can't just throw it behind you. Here's what the Red Sox are paying David Price to do. They're paying David Price to be in the clubhouse... Okay? You pitch every fifth day. But on days that you don't pitch, if you got a young kid on the team that does get caught up in the criticism, you know, maybe you get a Ben Attendee or a Betts or even now a Devis or a Bogots. You know, one of these kids gets, even Jackie Bradley Jr. two years ago, when he, we're finding out he set Dennis Eckersley up with a photo opportunity so that he could shit on Eckersley. And, and show that he uses Eckersley as motivation. He set Eckersley up. It's a dirty move. And I'm having a tough time looking at Jackie Bradley Jr. the same since I, I heard that. But you get a moment like that. Let's say a moment like that hits home with someone like Ben Attendi or even Devis. You know, if they struggle, right? Eduardo Rodriguez. We're talking about Eduardo Rodriguez. Apparently, Dennis Eckersley said yuck when they showed Rodriguez's stat line on Nesson. So did everybody else because the stat line sucked. If Rodriguez was upset about that, which it sounds like he was. Here's what David Price should be doing. He shouldn't be running up to Dennis Eckersley, getting in his face, telling him to get the fuck off the plane. He should be going to Eduardo Rodriguez and saying, hey, listen, bud, you're a young kid with a lot of talent. If you let something like that bother you, not only are you not going to make it in this town, you're not going to make it in Major League Baseball. You can't let that bother you. You have to put that aside and go out and pitch. Don't worry about what that guy says. Don't worry about it. Lace him up. Get back out in the mound. You got to block that shit out if you want to have success in this league, kid. All right?
Now go out and get the job done. I know you have it in you. That's what David Price should be doing. He's not. He's doing the exact opposite. He's going up to Eduardo Rodriguez, and he's going, Hey, Eddie, guess what I did? I just bitched out Dennis Eckersley. You got a problem? Hey, you guys, you kids. If you're hearing criticism, you let me know, because I'm going to deal with it for you. All right? I'm going to deal with the criticism. I'm going to lead, lead the troops right up to that media member, and I'm going to confront them. And I am going to win this battle for you against the media. They're going to criticize us, then they're not going to show their face. Oh, I'm going to find them. And I got this. I got your back. That's what David Price is doing. You cannot tell me. I don't care if you're a professional athlete, current, former, looking to be one in the future. You cannot tell me. That is the right way to lead. You can't. Forget about Eckersley for a minute. Put commentator X, Y, or Z in the spot that X in. And look at what Price is doing. He is hearing criticism. And he could say that it's even of his teammates. Because David Price also said, you know what? I don't, I don't watch the broadcasts when I pitch. So it's not even of me. I'm talking about when I watch other broadcasts and I hear him criticize, you know, some of my other teammates. Hey, forget about me. I don't do that. That's what he said. He's full of shit. So on top of all the things I called him, he's also a fucking liar. Um, David Price. Put, forget about Eck. Let's say it was a color commentator who actually was overly critical. Again, what Eckersley said about guys, to be upset about that as a pro athlete is embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself as a pro athlete to be upset with those things. You are. Give me $31 million. You can't hurt me with a tweet. You can't hurt me with a comment on TV. $31 million a year? That's just a year. He's getting 217 mil. Holy shit. Think about this. This is ridiculous. People say it's ridiculous that you're still talking about it. Fuck you. It's ridiculous that we're still talking about it because David Price is such a clown that he, for some reason, is running around the clubhouse patting himself in the back about it. That's what's ridiculous. That he thinks this is good leadership. That's the, ridi- that's the most ridiculous part about the whole thing. And, and, and in the process, Price makes Pedroia look like a fool. Because if Pedroia's down there pounding his chest going, we got two rules, chief. We got two rules, chief. One, show up on time. Two, be professional. David Price maybe shows up on time, but he wasn't being professional the next day. All right? So he already, he already broke rule number two. He broke it the next fucking day. He broke it the next fucking day. Um... <laughs> it's, it's, this is embarrassing to stand there and go, hey, I, maybe I should have handled it differently, but what I did worked. My bullying worked. My rebellion against the media is working. They're criticizing us less. You're showing your obsession with criticism and watching the broadcast. One, two, two. You are basically telling everybody in baseball, everybody in Boston, everybody on your own fucking team that you're leading the right way, that this is the right way to lead, that the response to criticism from anybody, again, put any color commentator in. Let's say it's terrible color color commentary, and let's say it really is bad shitting on people. You And a play is rattled. 
David Price's job as the veteran, as the guy who's making that much money, is to go to the players and say, calm down, don't worry, don't listen to them. Not, hey, watch me, I got your back. Here's what I'm going to do about it. That's not a good, that's not a good lesson to send. That's not a good message to send. What, like, at, at what point do you have to say, all right, I overreacted. Okay, maybe, maybe the organization isn't paying me to do this. David Price, that did not cross his mind. And in fact, he's, we talk about conviction with pitches, like get on the mound and throw with conviction. David Price is battling criticism with conviction, which is just, it's sad. It's embarrassing. And he's, he is confirming all the things that we believed about him. He's sensitive. He's thin-skinned. He is an absolute boob. He's confirming this stuff. And I think when he does it in the process, like that sounded so bad and that was so embarrassing on Saturday. All I could think of, and I said it on the radio, all I could think of is that David Price wants out. He, he wants out because while he's doing it, you know what he's saying? He's also, he also said, yeah, I got put on the DL and I feel good. That's the other thing about this. Like, I defended Price with one thing over the weekend, and that was that I actually believed that he was hurt. David Price was scratched from his start on Friday. He was supposed to start Friday night at Fenway. It would have been his first start at Fenway since the details of the Dennis Eckersley confrontation came out. And, you know, you're thinking maybe if he gets lit up, he's going to get booed. Wow, the reaction could be really bad. He gets put on the DL the day of that start with elbow inflammation. And the one thing I defended Price with over the weekend is that I do not think the two things are connected. I don't think the Price-Eckersley incident or the details of that are connected with this DL stint. I think it's just really bad timing on, on David Price's part. Um, and I actually believe that he's hurt. But then he talks on Saturday, and he says, you know what? I actually feel good. Honestly, I feel really good. If you feel good, why aren't you pitching? And by the way, since Pedroia talked, and I'm, I'm recording this on Monday, so maybe he's in the lineup tonight. Since Pedroia talked, he's been out two straight games. Since Price talked, he's out. He's on the DL. These guys aren't even playing anymore. I mean, this is embarrassing for the Red Sox organization. And they can say what they want. Behind the scenes, I mean, if I'm Sam Kennedy, if I'm ownership, I'm looking at Price's comments, and I'm going, fuck this guy. Honestly, he is gonna, he's going to do this right now. He's going to do this. Honest, all he had to do is stand there and go, you know what? I messed up. I overreacted. I'm passionate. I got caught up in it. I shouldn't have. It's not a good message to send the kids. It happened a month ago, though. I should have apologized. I didn't. When I see him, I'll apologize, and we'll move on. And I'm working to get back on the field. It's all you got to say. Like, how difficult is that? It's not diff. This whole thing isn't difficult. But they're making it difficult. And the only, the, the only way you can really fix it, in my opinion, is by getting rid of him. Like, I don't want him. I, I don't want David Price in Boston. I want him gone. And I don't think he wants to be here. And I would pay money to get rid of him. I would. I would do it. David Price knows the Red Sox are an organization that does such a thing. They will pay, and they're doing it with Pablo Sandoval, to get rid of a guy. 
They've done it in the past. I mean, come on. He knows they'll do this. He doesn't want to be here, but he got his money. This isn't the NFL. I wish it were. Because if it were the NFL, (laughs) this is the NFL. This is the difference between David Price and what we see with our football team here in New England. The Patriots are a championship organization. David Price is the furthest thing from a championship caliber player that you are ever going to see in professional sports. And you know what's so sad about that is? He has all the talent and the physical capabilities in the world to go out and be one. But there's something going on between the ears. There's something going on in his chest that is, is just not up to championship standards. And you would think, as a 30, 31-year-old veteran, who you would think has matured to a point where, you know what, let's figure this thing out. He hasn't been able to do it. You know, we're in a town where we see a championship-caliber organization with championship-caliber adults and professional athletes who handle the media a certain way, which is don't give them too much. Don't open up like, could you imagine if a Patriot opened up the way David Price is doing? He'd see ya. I don't care how good you were. He'd be gone. Now, a part of that has to do with guaranteed contracts and non-guaranteed contracts. I get the difference. That might be the biggest difference. What's the only reason the Red Sox haven't cut ties with David Price? It has to be the fact that it's guaranteed money and he's making so much of it and nobody's going to pick up that contract for this dickhead. So you'd have, to, you'd have to eat a lot of money. I think David Price wants them to do that. That's the tone that I got. That's the sound that I got. That David Price wants the Red Sox to trade him. And you know what? If I'm the Red Sox, I keep saying this about all this stuff this season, that at some point, whether it's Hanley out there swinging like an asshole, whether it's Pedroia throwing his team under the bus in, uh, in Baltimore earlier this season, or this situation, at some point, look, you can't, you can't manage a team, you can't, be a president of baseball operations or a GM and and react in a, every you can't react every single time in a way where you take things personal but sometimes you have to sometimes you should because that that shows me you care i want dave dombrowski to care i want sam kennedy to care i want ownership to care all right i do i want him to make a move i want him to do something about this there's an issue in the clubhouse there's a leadership issue i don't care what pedroia says you listen to Price, there's a leadership issue. He broke rule number two of Pedroia's leadership a fucking day later. He broke it. Pedroia doesn't care. Pedroia's with them. They're on the same page. There's a leadership issue. And if the manager can't fix it, the manager should be fired right now. But that shouldn't be it. You got to get rid of David Price. Get rid of him. All right, maybe not before today at 4 o'clock. But find a way to do it. And do it this offseason. Eat money if you have to. This guy's got to go. He's got to go. This is embarrassing. If you're the Red Sox, David Price got in front of the media. He's embarrassing everybody. He's embarrassing ownership. He's embarrassing the president, the president of baseball operations, the assistant GMs. Not a GM. They don't have an official GM. But if they want to hire someone, I'm I'm available. (laughs) He's embarrassing the manager, he's embarrassing media relations. He's embarrassing the public relations team for the Red Sox. What are they supposed to do? I feel bad. Who is it? Kevin Gregg? 
I feel bad for the guy. He's standing there like, how the fuck? Can you imagine being him? Can you imagine being the Red Sox media relations director? Having to stand behind that asshole, David Price? And, and, and listen to him. What do you think he's thinking? If I were him, I'd be looking at this thing going, how am I supposed to handle this? How is anybody in their right mind with a pulse, with a brain, supposed to handle this? Because I can't. This is embarrassing. David Price is embarrassing everybody. He is. He's embarrassing everybody. And um, I just think it's time for him to go. And I think he's embarrassing them so much that he wants to be gone. And the Red Sox should want to pot ways with him too because it's not working out. Hey, if David Price was a guy who was fucking nails in the playoffs, I might be. I would have a different tone because I'm all about on-field production more than anything else. But the problem with this is that when you get to David Price's postseason stats, postseason numbers, postseason career, I'll read you a 2-8 and eight record with a 5.54 ERA in 15 career postseason games. David Price is a pile of dog shit in the postseason. And so you don't need him. He is expendable. The only issue is he's getting paid all this money. And you got to find something to do with that money. you got to find a team that's going to want to pay him that money. And the problem is you won't. So you're going to have to eat some of it. Maybe half of it. Maybe more than half. But I think it'll be worth it. And the Red Sox should do it. It's time to get rid of David Price. Okay? It's time. To, it's, he's got to go. And I know people have said, well, get to the postseason. See if he can help you. Let me know how that goes. I'm, I'm here. I'm, look, they're not going to lose me as a fan. I'm not one of these fans that's going to tell you. I don't like, look, I don't like Pedroia's personality, but he's a great ball player. I'm going to root for him every time he's in that, in that batter's box because I want the team to win. If David Price gets back from the DL, doesn't need surgery, and pitches in the postseason, guess what? I'm going to root for him to win. But I've seen enough of him to know that. And I, I'm, I'm seeing enough of him and his mindset and mentality going in. Where I think <laughs> it's not a crazy prediction, obviously, to, to come up here and tell you that he's not going to give you anything in the postseason. Okay? He's not. So um, just get rid of him. I'm done with David Price. Done with him. And I think the Red Sox should be too. So, just an embarrassing weekend, I thought, for the team. One thing that Dave Dombrowski does today on trade deadline Monday, July 31st, he adds a reliever that they need for the eighth inning. That's going to be a big move for them. It is. On field-wise, it's going to be a big move. And I, I, I really do like the Addison Reed acquisition some breaking news as I give you this podcast I mentioned Sonny Gray he's a Yankee Sonny Gray has been traded to the Yankees we'll see what the details of that are that could be the first shoe to drop for some big name pitches whether it's you Davish Justin Verlander maybe a reliever in Zach Britton but Sonny Gray is going to the Yankees and that is not good for the Red Sox it's not that's a bit Sonny Gray is a big game pitcher he is we saw it in the postseason a couple years ago against Verlander and Detroit they, those two battled. So, um, that's a big move for the Yankees. You know I'm a big Sonny Gray fan. That is devastating to me to see him go to New York. Wow. Tough. Tough move. So, um, I mean, <laughs> tough move for everybody else in baseball. Great move for the Yankees. Tough to see for everybody else. So, I got to go because there is no AC in here. 
There's no air conditioning. Um, I couldn't, I mean, my shirt is soaking wet right now. It is so hot in here. And I can, the, the David Price stuff, I know we got to move on, but I had to get that stuff off my chest. Even though I got some of it off my chest over, over the weekend at WEI, the more we talk about it, the more we see, you know, and he's hurt. It's just, it's an embarrassing look for an organization that we should feel good about with a lot of the young talent in it. They're just not being led properly by the right guys. So, um, see what the Red Sox do about it in the future. Wave a deadline, next offseason, whatever. But we got to wrap it up because I am dying in here right now. Just a couple other notes. Rob Ninkovich calls it quits. Um, it's a, it, it's, a, it's a loss for the Patriots that they might feel at some point. But, you know, Patriots next man up. They'll figure it out on the defensive end. And then uh, UFC over the weekend. Bones Jones with a big win, uh, kicks Cormier to the head, gets the knockout, and uh, they're saying Brock Lesnar is next. Brock Lesnar versus Bones Jones. Just the idea of them bringing it up and them teasing it tells me it's going to happen. They're seeing the McGregor Mayweather thing. The UFC, they want to, you know, they want their own super fight in their octagon. They don't want to just send their biggest star to the ring. They want one in the octagon. Brock Lesnar versus Bones Jones would be just that. Uh, and I, I do think it's going to happen. So if that is official at any point, I'll react to it. I'll be back on Thursday. Get this show whenever you want. DannyPicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. Anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on all forms of social media. And review the podcast. I need some reviews. I got like 20 plus, you know, you get some dickheads on there, just go out of their way to, <laughs> to give a terrible, I love the dickheads who go out of their way to give a terrible review and they open it by saying, unlistenable, I can't listen. So why would you go out of your way to review a podcast that you can't listen to, <laughs> right? Like, huh? so it's obviously either a, an insecure anonymous media member or just an asshole who has nothing to do with their time, uh, much like the assholes that want to complain the Red Sox gave up too much for Addison Reed. To those people, my message is go out, get some sun, go to the beach, figure it out. It's a great trade for the Red Sox, um, and we'll see what happens with the rest of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. I'll talk about it more on Thursday. I'm out. See ya. See ya.